Welcome to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast, where we focus on all things mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. To find more information and to get resources, visit the website at therapyforblackgirls.com. And while I hope you love listening to and learning from the podcast, it is not meant to be a substitute for a relationship with a licensed mental health professional. Hey, y'all. Welcome to episode two of the Therapy for Black Girls podcast. I hope that you're doing well and enjoying the beginning of spring. I'm definitely enjoying the nicer weather here in Atlanta, even though the pollen is off the charts, so I'm staying popping my allergy meds. So today in the No Copay Needed segment, we're going to be talking all about how to find a therapist and some questions that you may want to consider um, in beginning this process. So we have five questions that I think would be helpful for you to examine. And don't worry if you're driving. All of this information will be included in the show notes. You can find those by going to therapyforblackgirls.com slash session two. So the first question is, how important is it that your therapist match you in characteristics like race, ethnicity, gender presentation, or sexual orientation? So the research has been consistent in finding that the most important factor in whether or not therapy will be helpful is the quality of the relationship between client and therapist. There definitely is a need to feel known and seen and heard by your therapist that helps you to be more vulnerable in the space with your therapist. So if there are particular characteristics about a therapist that you believe will help you to feel more comfortable and ready to work, then by all means, try to find a therapist with those characteristics. But I don't want you to make the mistake of thinking that you can't have a quality therapeutic relationship with somebody who doesn't come in the package you thought that you wanted. Many times we're really able to do some of our best work with people who or not like us in any kind of way. Um, And so I really want you to be open because my experience has been that most times black women want another black woman therapist. And while I think that's great, I simply don't think that there are enough of us to go around. And so what I don't want to happen is for you not to get quality therapy simply because it doesn't come in the package that you want. So if you're looking for a black woman therapist, by all means, search for one, try to find one in your city, even if you have to travel a little bit to get to her. Um, But if you can't find that, then do um, keep yourself open to some other options. Number two, the second question is, what type of personality works best with you? Are you somebody who needs to be gently nudged into making a change? Or would you prefer a straight up no chaser approach? Are you someone who needs lots of structure and activities to help you work through issues? Or do you prefer processing an issue from multiple perspectives? Each of these things are important to consider as you decide on a therapist because we all have different styles. And so you have to kind of consider what style is going to be the best fit for you. You may be able to get a sense of some of this from their website. So most therapists have websites now. Um, So you can get a sense of some of this by the copy that's provided on their website. But you also want to ask some questions around this when you have that first consultation with the therapist to decide whether this person is going to be a good fit for you. The third question that you may want to consider is, 
Are you looking for your religious or spiritual beliefs to be incorporated into therapy? So one of the major reasons why Black women sometimes state that they don't want to seek mental health treatment is this idea that you can't go to therapy because it is against God. Um, And my response to that typically is that there is space for both God and therapy in your life. Um, So if faith, religion, or spirituality is something that's really important to you and you feel like you want a strong faith component to your therapy, you can definitely find a good therapist who will be a good match for you. So many therapists describe themselves as either faith-sensitive or faith-based. So faith-sensitive means that they understand the role that faith may play in your life and they'll be respectful and encouraging you to stay connected to this part of your life. Someone who describes themselves, though, as faith based um, will likely center your therapy around religion and spirituality. And it may even be conducted by someone who is a part of a faith community and their office may even be connected to the church or the spiritual home. Um, So when you're looking for faith based therapy, though, you do want to make sure that that person actually has been trained in some kind of a counseling program um, that they also have an appropriate license in that field and that it's not, um, you know, simply something they're calling therapy or counseling and they don't actually have the clinical skills to back that up. So definitely make sure you do your due diligence when you're looking into that. The fourth question that you may want to consider is, do you want to use your insurance benefits? So many health insurance plans now have at least some mental health benefits. And if you're interested in using your benefits, your first step should be checking the website um, from the insurance company or calling the 800 number that is typically found on the back of your insurance card. Um, So few things are more frustrating than finding a therapist who you think is going to be the perfect fit for you and then realizing they don't take your insurance. So typically, I suggest that if you definitely want to use your insurance benefits, you start by looking at the website of your insurance company or calling that 800 number to get a list. Um, But even though even if you find a therapist who is not in network, you can still see that person. You would just have to pay the out of network fee for that person. And sometimes your insurance will have out of network benefits, which means that you can see this person and pay the person their fee. And then the person will give you a receipt or what's called a super bill um, that you can then submit to your insurance to get reimbursed. So you don't have to you know, if you really have your heart set on seeing someone and you can make it work financially, then you can just pay out of pocket and expect to get reimbursed or you can just pay out of pocket um, and, you know, call it a good investment in your mental health. But even for the out-of-network benefits, you do want to check with your insurance to make sure you have those before you simply assume that you will be able to get reimbursed. The fifth question that we want to ask is, are you clear about your therapeutic goals and what you want to achieve in therapy? So undoubtedly, many of us will start therapy without having a clear goal of what we want to get. And it can be a little fuzzy. That's okay. Um, But the clearer you can be about what your goals are, the more successful your outcome may be. Um, So when you're better equipped to kind of verbalize what your goals are for therapy, what kinds of things you want to work on, then when you have this initial consultation with a prospective therapist, you can ask them specifically, um, have you worked with these kinds of concerns before? Do you feel like you have a specific expertise in this area? So the clearer you can be about what your goals are, it definitely is better. 
So some resources that you may want to consider, um, again, if finances are a concern, one of the most popular ones is the Open Path Collective. So this is a directory of therapists across the country um, who have agreed to provide some sliding scale spaces in their caseload for people who would like to come in for counseling. Um, That website is openpathcollective.org. Again, this will be included in the show notes. Um, But you can go there and find a therapist in your city and typically you would pay between $30 to $50 to see that therapist. So that definitely is an option. Um, You also may want to look at any colleges or universities in your town that may have training clinics. So if you have one of these, a college or university in your town, they may um, have a training clinic where students who are pursuing either a master's or a doctorate degree will be under the supervision of licensed clinicians. um, And they will be providing clinical services to people in the community um, for a, a much reduced rate. So that's another option to look into. Um, You also want to do a Google search for any community clinics that are sponsored by your county. Um, Typically, there will be some kind of behavioral health component to the services offered by counties in your towns. Um, So you can do a Google search for those as well. Another option um, that sometimes we don't think about is group therapy. Um, So uh, lots of clinicians will offer group counseling in addition to the individual counseling services they offer. And this can definitely be an affordable option. Um, So while you won't get the one-on-one attention that you would get in an individual session, a group therapy setting can definitely be helpful, particularly for people who are struggling with like relationship kinds of things, um, because there's no better way to kind of figure out some relationships stuff than in a group of other people who you will have a relationship with. Um, So group therapy definitely can be the preferred setting for some people, depending on your concern. So definitely look um, into groups that may be offered in your town or your city as another option if you're also um, trying to manage costs and thinking about what will fit for you. So today we do have a On the Porch with Dr. Joy segment. So we got our very first question. Um, So somebody wanted some feedback about relationship concerns. So we will get into that next. And if you have a question, uh, make sure you send that over to me at podcast at therapyforblackgirls.com. So the question is, how do you walk away from a guy that you care about, but you know he's only using you? He only sees me when it's convenient. He used to spend the night. Now he only comes before work or after. I want to cut it off, but when I see him, I get weak. After I'm feeling empty emotionally because I know he's only using me. I guess the question is, when did I lose my self-worth and how do I gain it back? So this is a great question. And thank you, listener, for um, sending this and trying to get some feedback about this. I'm sure that um, it could be helpful to you and as, as well as any anybody else who's struggling with similar concerns. So one of the first things I want you um, and for all of us to kind of pay attention to is the language that we use when we're talking about specific concerns. So you mentioned in the letter Um, You use some very strong language. You feel like he's using you. You feel emotionally empty. Um, And and that I consider to be pretty strong language. And so my thought is, I wonder what it feels like to you to be used. Um, And I, I would imagine that's typically not a really good feeling. And typically feeling used leads to um, feeling resentful in some ways, or it can also kind of impact our self-esteem. 
And so I wonder for you, what comes up around this idea of being used? And if that is a particularly good feeling, my guess is, is that it's not. Um, one of the first things that you may want to do is to make a list of your needs and wants in a relationship and then make a list of how this relationship either is or is not matching up with that list. So if you make a list of all the things you feel like you need and want, and then you make another list of the things that are actually happening in this relationship, do they balance out or is this current relationship coming up short? And if it is, then I think you have to ask yourself some questions about why am I not really going for what I feel like I need and want in relationships? I also think it's important to really um, understand how we can kind of sit with feelings of sadness and disappointment that this didn't work out. Um, and it's okay to feel sad and, and hurt about the fact that this may not turn out to be what you thought it initially was. But what you don't want to do is get stuck in feeling like you have to stay in something simply because you've already invested some time and energy into this relationship. So just because you've already done it doesn't mean that you have to continue with it if you feel like it's not really what you want to be doing anymore or it's not really meeting your your needs and wants in the relationship. Um, you also ask, when did you lose your self-worth? And I'm not sure if you've lost it or if it's just a little misplaced right now. Um, and I, I would encourage you to think about where was it even before this relationship started? So do you feel like it was pretty firm even before it started? And this is what kind of caused a hit to your self-worth? Or were there some things going on even before that caused some cracks in kind of the foundation? And so one of the one of the ways where we can kind of gain our self-worth is to really act in line with our best interests and what our heart really wants, even when it's hard and difficult. So you say that you get weak even when you try to walk away with him, walk away from this this situation with him. And that definitely is hard. It's not hard. It's not easy to ignore what the heart wants. And, you know, somebody you have really great chemistry with, it sounds like it's not an easy choice. But when we really are wanting to kind of be firm in our, in our self-worth and have a firm understanding of who we are, then sometimes we have to make choices and, and set really firm boundaries, even when that's difficult and when it's not the thing that we want to do that that typically is in line with good mental health is kind of setting a, a firm boundary around something that you know does not mean you will and if you feel like you know if you decide that ending this relationship with him and you really want to kind of take that step blocking him is always an option so you can definitely set up your um, your phone and your email to block any incoming or outgoing communication with him. But I also think it may be important after you've done the exercise around, you know, examining your needs and wants in a relationship and deciding whether this matches up with that. I think it's also appropriate to have a conversation with him to say, this is what I feel like I need and want in the relationship and to ask him if he can offer that. And if he can't, then you have to set a firm boundary and say, okay, well, I think that this is the end for us. And that's where the blocking may come in because sometimes it's really hard to stay, you know, stay true to that boundary, even though we know that's what we should do. And blocking can sometimes, blocking him from your cell phone and your email can sometimes make that easier to do. So I hope that helps. I hope that you got some good feedback from that and can make some decisions that you feel like are really best for you. And again, if you have questions, please make sure you send those over to podcast at therapyforblackgirls.com.
So that wraps up our episode for today. Again, let's keep the conversation going over on social media. The hashtag for the podcast is TBG in session. You can find us over on Twitter at therapy for the number four B girls. And you can find us on Twitter, on Facebook and Instagram at therapy for black girls. Take good care. Thank you.